Hello, it's only bloody me, Billy. It's the return of Saturday Night's main event, Revival, this time coming at you from July 2006, and I'm joined by your friend and mine, Kevin, for this very special bonus episode of a very special bonus series. This is of course brought to you by our lovely backers over at Patreon, where we have book reports from Adam, video episodes involving all three of us, and Adam and I also dabbled into the world of WWF comics if you want to see China be a bodyguard for hire, or The Rock getting tangled up in an underground fighting ring. So if any of that sounds like your bag, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash AEPodcast, all starting as low as $5 slash pounds and pence. Also, if you're on the lookout for something to watch, why not join me over on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Billy Keeble. I stream every week Wednesdays at 7.30pm GMT and Sunday 8pm GMT. I play Spookums, I play Dating Sims where you try and date birds or Colonel Sanders, and I sometimes play games that you can join in with, such as Marbles on stream, Words on stream, and who could forget, Jack. Box. That's twitch.tv forward slash Billy Keeble. B I L L Y K E A B L E. Ooh, baby. Maybe come and join me. Everyone and welcome to the Attitude Podcast. Bonus Billy Pick, not Boy Pick, just a Billy Pick. Saturday night's main event, slowly but begrudgingly going through it forwards rather than backwards, like I would have wanted to. Special edition. Yay. Hello, everyone. It's me, your old pal, losing the vote, cowboy Kevin Mann. Joined as I am always by the forever winning, even if it means getting a different form of Hulk Hogan, Billy Keeble. <laughs> I didn't know that Hulk Hogan was going to be here in all defense. Really? Because, you know, I think it was that snake in the grass, Adam Bibolo, where he puts up your picture and it's like, oh, it's Hornswoggle and the great Cali and <laughs> fucking cake and juice. And mine's a picture of Hulk Hogan with Mr. T. <laughs> Immediately making people think the worst of everything. And he showed up here anyway. That's bollocks. Well, well if it makes you feel any better, Kevin, I immediately regret winning. Oh, do you? That's interesting that you say that because the last time you regretted winning was when your choice for Great American Bash 2006 won a boy's pick vote. And this is somehow like the Star Wars prequel trilogy to that. This is on the cusp of Great American Bash 06. It's the week before, and I didn't know that going in. I like, (laughs) we had such a good time with the last one. We did. (laughs) And like, this has just undone all the goodwill. (laughs) And like I'm, I'm happy that we're continuing because the because the next one is where we're gonna get that that six man tag that was the entire basis okay. of this bonus. Yeah, you're saying this now, but like as a man who's just watched Highlander two, and I have loads of people in my mentions going, "Oh no, no, watch Highlander three and then four, and then it'll make up for for two, but don't watch five. This sunken cost fallacy <laughs> that we're already drowning. So if we swim out into deeper waters, it'll somehow be better for us in the end." But there were no clowns here tonight, unfortunately. We are at Saturday night's main event on the 15th of July, 2006. And I want a little bit of culture, Billy Cable, because around this time, a little bit of a a, a factoid for you. I would have been sitting my leaving cert, so doing my exams to go to that there university. So I'm sure there was a lot of great, great wrestling and great media that was out there to distract me from my studies. Oh, and I would have been... 
14, so I would have been in year 9. Wow, fucking hell. So, yes, I, I've, I would have just finished up for the summer holidays of year 9, going into year 10. To I've picked my options of what I'm going to do for my GCSEs. I'm ready to go. So your options you picked, obviously, were Saturday night's main event yeah. and Great American Bash 2006 for your specialisms. That's obviously a good choice. That and religious studies, yeah. <laughs> So, what culture have we got from, from, from July 2006? My mind is telling me that it's a golden era. And I think that's just because I had LimeWire and a fast enough internet connection to utilize it. So, I was watching a lot of illegally downloaded wrestling shows at the time. Mm. So, in my mind, it was a great time for the media. Well, I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that in terms of media. In first up with music, it doesn't happen all the time, but we've got three different number ones for the UK, Ireland and the US. Excuse me. So normally there's normally there's a bit of a link between the UK and Ireland in terms of our music sensibilities and what's going to be number one. UK number one is Smile by Lily Allen, which is an absolute pop banger. Yes. Ireland, it was Hips Don't Lie by Shakira featuring Michael F. John. Well, I mean, you know, maybe we just, you know, we, we prefer Shakira to, to, to Lily Allen. You know, Shakira's brother barely came up in any of her songs. And we in <laughs> Ireland appreciated the lack of, honestly, disgusting nepotism that was featured in her lyrics. Yeah, Shakira, Shakira never wrote a song about her brother diddling himself. No, all she did was write a song about how if you have plastic surgery, you're a bad person. She's going to fuck you up for some reason. Watch <laughs> out. Shakira's legitimately a psychopath. Legitimately a psychopath. And then uh, finally in the US, it was Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado featuring Timberland. Ah, yes. The poor man's scandalous, as, yes. as I'd refer to it. Very good. All right. That's that's par for the course. Standard issue, naughty's pop. I don't think I'm going to disagree with anything like that. I will say, though, I could have sworn Hips Don't Lie was like 2003. I can't believe that was 2006. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. is ridiculous. Wowzers. Uh, in terms of the films, obviously, as we know, I cannot find Irish details before 2011. But I'm guessing... We didn't, we didn't have movies until then, Billy. I, I can tell was. you what the best-selling film of the year is, and that'll be an indication of what it's going to be for this month because okay. it's the same for all three. Oh, it's not Titanic case. again, Billy. Is no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, well, it's got a boat in it. It's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead oh. Man's Chest. Oh, I really thought you were about to say Master and Commander starring <laughs> Russell Crowe, the, the box office titan that it was. Dead Man's Chest. That was the one where I, I realized that my dad liked them more than me, you know, and that was that was where I was at, at Pirates at that point. I've literally never seen a, any of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Wow, so you'll never believe in ghost stories because you've never actually been no. in one. That's shocking, I, I, Billy. I think, I think I saw like the first 30 minutes of the first one and thought this was really boring and turned it off. I mean, it is it is boring, but other times it's loud. And, yeah. you know, it hasn't got sparks, which I like in movies, but it's got a lot of splintered wood, if that's your thing. Ooh, There's lots of it. I do like splintered wood. <laughs> um, in terms of games, the games of July 06 are not that amazing. Oh, um, Billy, don't start now, because I've had everyone and their fucking mother coming to me now on Twitter defending some of the most boring 1997, <laughs> 19... Oh, no! Blanco Stealth Assassin is one of the greatest partially animated games ever to be made. What do you There's mean you never talked about Gildor's Plume? What? You never played Vector Quest? Oh, my God. Well, one game, which I know is very popular, that I never played, was Prey. 
Prey, okay, I would have been playing Prey around this time. Yeah, it was good. Never played it, but I, I know that that is a, a cult classic. The rest of the games I legitimately had not heard of. Oh, um, and this is and this is around the time I would have just gotten an Xbox 360, I think. So I think this would have been around the time. Is Bioshock around here? This I felt like that was around this time or near not to in, it. Not in July. I only look at the, the specific month. Okay. The only other game I recognized only because of the property it's based on was Miami Vice the game. Fuck me, Billy. Come on now. Don't be coming to me with this sub Scarface, the world is yours, the game offerings. Don't you want to Miami play as Colin Vice. Farrell in a game? No, I don't, because the only memory I have of the Colin Farrell Miami Vice is that it is the longest piss I've ever taken in my life. My body created inhuman amounts of urine to literally make me leave that movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and what, we got no other no other games to speak of? Come on, what are some of these unknowns? Uh, let me just pull that up. The Lord of the Rings, The Battle for Middle-Earth 2. All right, that's, that's solid. Solid. Don't know it. Uh, solid RTS. Chrome Hounds. No, what? That is, it looks like a Xbox 360 <laughs> game by the people who made Dark Souls, which is about tanks. Sorry, when you said Chrome Hounds, straight away my mind just went to that Facebook video and be like, wow, Chrome Hounds got me and my friends through the first part of the pandemic. That's awesome. <laughs> we got Blade Dancer, Lineage of Light for the PSP. All right, and that isn't the, the Blade Trinity dancing game that we thought it no. was. We ordered that and we were let down. <laughs> no Ryan Reynolds in it. Absolute garbage. Super Dragon Ball Z. Valkyrie Profile Lenith. Oh, someone's going to tell me that's grace. Two Civ expansions. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Billy. Tekken Dark Resurrection. Wow, God. We're at the peak of some franchises here, aren't we? Like This yeah. is... This is like the video game industry going through the Metallica Saint Anger phase here. This is, uh, <laughs> this is something else indeed. So I think we won't be playing any of those games no. quite just yet. In in terms of events, really not a lot happened in July 2006. There were three things that I noticed. I thought, well, there, there'll be things we can talk about. The world's longest running music show. I say, I say running music. I should say the world's longest running music show instead of making it sound like it's a running music show. <laughs> Um, Top of the Pops is broadcast for the last time on BBC Two after 42 years of being on the air. What was finally the, the, the straw that killed the camel's back? Because I swear to God, there was such a roller, there was such a revolving door of pedophiles and sex yeah. offenders hosting that thing. Felt like it should have been set ablaze and cast over with holy water a long time ago. Well, the last song ever performed on Top of the Pops was Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. Wow, okay. That's uh, that's one of those songs that brings about the end. I've yeah. heard that one. Wait, am I am I wrong in misremembering this? That they had Jimmy Savile come out for the last bit and be like, now then, now then, I'm saying goodbye one last time. I think they did, yeah. But you'll never get me where I go next. Yes. In your dreams. <laughs> Should have seen it coming. Should have seen it. All that talk about killing us in our dreams. It was a big, big red flag it was. We also had the 93rd Tour de France, which was won by Oscar Pereiro of Spain. Who'd he ever beat? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. I've never heard of him. He, he wasn't involved in a salacious enough doping scandal no. for me to have heard of. Though, Billy, so. though in July, Lance did win an ESPY award for, for, for being a good sportsman. 
<laughs> you know what? Everyone else deserves a fucking award for being a good sport for putting up with him and all his cheating. Like, <laughs> ah, good on you though for all putting up with it. You're all good sports for putting up with Lance and his cheating ways. And then finally on the events, back to your friend and mine, Colin Farrell. Oh, there he is. He went to my school, by the way, I've mentioned before. Well, during an appearance on The Tonight Show, Colin Farrell was confronted by a telephone sex worker called Desiree Bradford, who had been stalking him. What? So she invaded, like, the stage in front of Jay Leno and Colin Farrell as he's being invaded to have it out with, with, with Colin. There is no footage of it because it was it was cut out of the broadcast. Oh, Billy, you, you know, I've you've just done Andy Kaufman for How to Wrestling. One of my all-time favorite things is freakouts on late-night talk shows. This could have been the next Clive Anderson interviews the Bee Gees, damn it. <laughs> so a little bit more information because I tried to... There, there was very little news articles about I this. Never, I never heard this. The only ones I found out were from the Irish Independent. So only... <laughs> Like no one, in, no one in America, like TMZ, didn't pick up on it or talk about it. It was. Uh, you know, I've always said about Farrell, he couldn't cut it in my school. Yeah, he couldn't cut it in my school, and he couldn't cut it on late nights. Yeah, he couldn't cut it on late nights. But what I did find was Desiree Bradford herself's Last FM profile page. <laughs> so. And there's a little bio on there. Move over LinkedIn. The Attitude podcast has some new research sources. (laughs) So this is taken verbatim from Desiree Bradford's Last FM profile. Well, has has she like spelled out something like a threat to him in songs that she's picked? Is that it? No, she became a musician off the back of this. (laughs) Okay. So Desiree Bradford is a former sex worker turned public figure, writer, filmmaker and musician. She, she rose to prominence in 2006 when she confronted Colin Farrell at a taping of The Tonight Show, claiming that she and Farrell had been involved in a relationship until Farrell had become obsessed with her and began stalking her. Oh, so she was claiming that he... That's a next-level stalker move yeah, right there. That, that's that, that's the a classic stalker move. Soon after this incident, she wrote two tell-all celebrity memoirs about her affairs with famous men. Look at see Mick Foley double memoirs. Yeah. Amazing. My SM romp with Alec Baldwin, which he has since admitted was a fabrication. Sorry, not not SNME romp. That's the Saturday night's main event romp, which we'll be getting uh, into no, shortly. S and M. And then her second one was Colin. Sex and masturbation. Yes. And Colin Farrell, a dark, twisted puppy. <laughs> <laughs> After releasing. <laughs> You can't deny the use of the word puppy is like a sick and twisted puppy. Yeah. After releasing her memoirs, she recorded her debut... You can't call your own memoir that someone else is like a sick and twisted puppy, like, you know? <laughs> after after releasing her memoirs, she recorded her debut dance single, Colin Farrell is My Bitch. Fucking hell, Billy! Re- reminds me of that Lee Harvey Oswald memoir. Let me tell you about that piece of shit, JFK. <laughs> In which she revealed the gory details of her flings with Baldwin and Farrell over a dance Oh, beat. Baldwin's in here as well, yeah, though. Yeah, even okay. though she already admitted by this point that the Baldwin thing was a fabrication. In 2009, she announced that she was making a film version of her Farrell memoir starring yes. members of her fan club. Oh, okay. I was wondering who would get, like, you know, Farrell playing himself in that role. Like, that's the role of a lifetime. 
time right there. You know, you take some some acting lessons yeah. to get through that situation. So, so maybe we can get a little bit of that on Cinema Swill, maybe. Maybe, Billy. It sounds like if we ever do a Colin Farrell Cinema Swirl Cinema Swill crossover event, that might be... Other than the Total Recall remake, that might be the obvious route to go for. Or Alexander, to be fair. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Look, you've depressed me enough now with, with this chat here of this <laughs> supposed culture. I thought we'd be talking about Viva Pinata and say we're talking about that sick puppy Colin Farrow <laughs> for some reason. Well, enough beating around the bush. It's NBC, WWE, it's Saturday night, and here is allegedly a main event. I have to commend the absolute generic nature of this intro, which was so standard and straightforward. It was like I was watching Superstars or regular main event or any C-level show from WWE. And I did like how right at the end where it's like, wow, Candice Michelle, wow, Triple H, John Cena's in the house. Look out, it's King Booker. And here's Hulk Hogan from the 80s. Real quick, like, yeah. he's, like he's that. Like that's what you're going to see tonight. That blatant bad advertising right there, Billy. Bad faith advertising. It, it's such a step down in every way from the last one. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's not treated with it being special. Like we didn't get those cool intros. Yeah. No one said that their name wasn't Earl and therefore I was left completely baffled as to who actually was Earl in this entire episode tonight. Everything about this is just it just felt off. Normal. Very normal. We didn't have a special set this time. It's like the regular setup for Raw and SmackDown, it felt like. We are in Dallas, Texas. We are sold out, and we do have good old JR on commentary, who is full of pep and vinegar. But because this is a tri-branded event, folks, yeah. we have got three sets of commentators, and I need to point out that this night is a couple of days before Great American Bash, so JBL is at full next-level Steven Spielberg movie levels of commentary. Yeah. And it was a bit distracting, if, I, if I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was. So we had JR and Lawler, we had Cole and JBL, and we had Joey Styles and Taz. Yeah, that's a, a lot of commentators on the roster there. Good Lord. I kind of like that when you're doing that little swap in, swap out kind of thing. Yeah, because he keeps it fresh, keeps people on their toes, you know. But on TV, I'm not sure I like it. I think... I think for a big pay-per-view, I think that it, 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 it's it's great. It creates a bit of variety. But I think on TV, a show as short as this... It's only like an hour 20, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. there's too much handing over. And you feel for Joey Styles and Taz. Because they get so you, little time. They, they literally talk for 90 seconds tonight. But, I mean, grand job if you can get it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. No, no one's losing their voice here tonight, folks. I can guarantee you that. We run down the card and Big Match Spirit Squad get the top billing, baby. They're the first people announced tonight for Saturday Night's Main Event. We've got a rematch for the WWE Championship between Egg and John Cena and some six-man shite that they couldn't be bothered to give us the full brackets for until later on in yeah. the show. And out comes Mr. NBC himself, everyone's favorite superstar reality show. It's on a different network. It's Hulk Hogan, who allegedly knows best. Yeah. With his boot cut jeans, Billy. And as a doting father, I have to tell you, Hulkamaniacs, I'm very proud of my daughter, Brooke. Hey. 
Hey, and as far as looks go, thank God she looks like my wife, Linda. <laughs> but anyway, as far as Saturday night's main event goes, I was on the first Saturday night main event, May 11th, 1985. And after all these years, because of all you Hulkamaniacs, Hulkamania is still running wild, brother. When, when Hogan came out, I was just like, okay, well, let's get this over with. And then Brooke came out, and I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> what, what would you describe, if there is one, the vibe between Hogan with his big boot cut jeans that have got these stitches on them that make him look like he's stolen them from a cadaver, and his daughter... Brooke Hogan, who is very happy to be here. I guess a very similar vibe between Hogan and Brooke that I get from Vince and Stephanie. Yeah, but like with Vince and Stephanie, there was always kind of, they would allude to and they'd be like, oh, your daddy's little girl and daddy's yeah. little girl always comes first. And you kind of go, what are they implying there? But when Hogan comes out with Brooke, like there is no, there is no uh, misdirection. There is no uh, wool pulling over the eyes. There's a man who just wants to fuck his daughter. Yeah, straight, My God. Straight, straight he, up says she's hot. Literally pointing her going, dig this brother, turning her around, looking at a fan in the audience who's like, I want to have sex with her. And he's like, oh no brother, don't we all? Like He's like <laughs> high-fiving guys going like, check it out. Check out the babe my wife gave birth to. It is, um, it is, uh, it is alarming. It is alarming to see the, the future head of the knockouts division be treated like this. And I'll tell you what was, was strange as well, Billy, was the almost entire lack of a pop from when Hogan came out. Yeah, they're, they're very, like, I would say the crowd only really popped for the main event tonight. Yeah, the crowd, like, Dallas, Texas, I wouldn't have thought sold out that this would be, like, a crowd that's sitting on its hands. But legitimately, the crowd had a bigger pop when Brooke came out than when Hogan came out. Mm. It's Hogan, way here comes Brooke, way Because they thought they might get to see the spectacle of a man making out with his own daughter <laughs> on NBC, which hadn't been seen in years at that point. I, I, one thing I will say about Terry Bollea, you know, he's a racist, he's a piece of shit, and he looks like he wants to have sex with his own daughter here. But you have to hand it to them, the empathy, because he was wearing heels almost as big as Brooke, showing her how to get into the ring, gingerly walking up on his big boots <laughs> with the big heels. You can still get them, Bill. Oh, baby. Hulk Hogan, who has a few words here to say tonight, not much substance. He wants to talk about one person in particular, and that's a young man who's been vying for a match with the Hulkster, which is Randy Orton. The whole time Hogan is talking, Brooke is just like looking at him, smiling, nodding, mm. waving. You know, she's got big diva search contestant energy about oh, her, yeah. I would say, Bill. Yeah. So Randy Orton comes out, and he's nothing if not a romantic, Bill. He's got a rose. It's for, it's for Brooke, because he, he he fancies Brooke. And you know what? I wouldn't trust a man like Randy Orton in 2006 with a rose. I have a funny feeling that is a poo masquerading as a rose. <laughs> Don't let him put it in your handbag. It's what he wants. <laughs> there is a very respectful challenge and a very respectful acceptance of that challenge. Yeah, he, he, he sort of goes, you know, as you know, I'm the legend killer. I want to kill you at SummerSlam. Okay, what, what, okay. What, 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 what do you think about that? And Hulk's like, yeah, sure, whatever, brother. Sounds good to me, brother. Let's only do one match, though, because I don't want to have a repeat of what happened in 05. <laughs> this, is, this is not how you follow up SummerSlam 05, is it? It's with, with, with Randy and, and Hulk? Yeah. 
I don't know. That might be worth doing for a boy's pick, I'm saying, poisoning my own well, because there are comparisons to be made between those two very spicy events. Mm. <laughs> Brooke, blissfully unaware, as she doesn't know who Randy Orton is, smiles and nods as this match is made with... Honestly, no reaction from the audience whatsoever. Yeah, you'd think that Randy versus Hulk would be like a big sort of draw. (laughs) But I can't even remember the match. It is a very, very safe, basic match where Hogan just, you know... He beats Randy pretty much clean. There's no shenanigans mm. compared. Like, and I think I always will view it like that because compared to the shenanigan-rich match that we had with Shawn Michaels the previous year, it is very much just business as usual. And Hogan is somehow even more noticeably in agony in that match. He can barely move in that one. I mean, sure, you know, I thought it was just because he had the heels on him, but even without the heels, he's struggling to move up and down the ramp here. Get a video package for your favorite actor and mine. It's the animal, Dave Batista. We get a recap of the unfortunate injuries that have happened and plagued his career. And we get, you know, the big setup here. Mark Henry, he put Batista on the shelf. And Batista's here tonight to witness Mark Henry put himself on the same shelf. Yeah, I was hoping again that this was going to be the match that had the weird Fusro that Henry does to Batista. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just waiting for that moment. I'm like, every time they're facing each other, I'm like, this is it. This is the moment. And I never seem to get it. I think that you have to go later on. That's when we had Big Red Mark when he was with MVP. One of the greatest tag teams of this or any other generation. So we have all the big hype up here. It's all about Dave Batista getting his hands on Mark Henry. We cut back to already in the ring, the man who's challenging for the world title at the Great American Bash. All hail King Booker! All hail King Booker! I couldn't believe they didn't keep Regal around just to do this for the next King gimmick that they have. Yeah, I like I I felt a bit cheaped out that we didn't get to hear his actual introduction. Yeah, because he had lots of substance to this, if I remember. So, but like he, so they went to commercial break, and we got like we we come back and Booker's on the steps, so we've missed anything that Regal said. He does say a little bit as Booker gets into the ring, but commentary just talk completely over it so it's unintelligible yeah he's about to call i think he's calling charmel vivacious or whatever it is but jbl has to get his line in which is she makes queen victoria look like a lap dancer maggle (laughs) what does that even mean it means that she's so regal yeah your queen your old queen who even back in 2006 billy was an old queen it made her look like a lap dancer which (laughs) makes me remind uh this is the first podcast i've recorded since my dearly departed grandmother passed away and she once turned to me and said the thing i hate so much about these lap dancing places that are opening up in galway kevin is that it was such a great art form the lap dance and they've taken it and they've made it a sordid thing and i was thinking like (laughs) the fuck are you on this (laughs) i with regret that she's no longer with us because i've never been able to call her out on her bullshit (laughs) so we have here an interesting collection of people finley who would go on to join booker t's king's court and mark henry who is unaffiliated but jbl says that there was controversy the last time Finley got in the ring. 
Because as Michael Cole explains, JBL, he got help from his friend, that leprechaun. Maggle, there's no such thing as leprechauns. So does so, JBL not see him? He's both delighted by the presence of the as yet unnamed Hornswoggle, but also refuses to acknowledge its existence at all. So this is Batista's first match in seven months. He gets a big pop. Yeah, he's the, he's a bigger star than most on the show tonight. Mm. I think Batista in 06, if he didn't have those injuries, I think he easily could have been top big dog and eaten John Cena's lunch in this time period. Oh, he definitely could have been. These entrances, even though we cut out one or two, my God, it's long. I think we had a whole segment of like, you know, ad break to ad break where it was just entrances. Mm. So we finally get into the ring and there we go. Bam, it's time for another ad break. And we come back and we are asked... Can Batista withstand the force and the might of Mark Henry? And Michael Cole tells us, well, we're going to find out a little bit tonight and then again at the Great American Bash. And we barely we barely get anything between them. This <laughs> this do we know how little we would find out tonight, Billy. This is nearly this is nearly a handicap match of Finley, Mark Henry, and Booker versus Rey Mysterio. What happened here? I watched this whole thing for the Mark Henry episode of How To mm. because, you know, this was the point where Henry, many felt Henry was going to reach the level that he would later reach with the Hall of Pain in 2010. Henry was seemingly firing on all cylinders here. And I swear to God, like a poltergeist fucked his leg up. What happened here with Henry? I didn't even catch it, but I knew immediately, I, I knew something was off because obviously the big story in this going in is Batista remark and, and then they just touch, completely and then they barely touched each other so he gets Ray into the corner and they're like oh he's got to swat Ray and then he just kind of holds him there awkwardly and then he walks back a few steps and then he starts to run over and that's it he can't go any further like Ray just kind of ducks out of the way Henry just bam straight down into the floor I'm not sure if he tweaked it while he was doing some punches or headbutts mm. And then he went back to run to kind of recombobulate himself. And the running then just made the whole thing pop. But Henry's gone for a long, 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 long time. And I remember being so fucking infuriated by this. Because I wasn't the biggest Batista fan in the world as a kid. But, you know... You've been waiting I, for the revenge. Yeah, they had built it up. I thought, well, you know, one thing, like, Henry, they had him come out and smack down with a big smile going, like, I fucking broke you, Batista. It was so easy. I'm going to do it again. And he's so dangerous, he ended up breaking himself, Billy. It was... so. It wasn't quite Kevin Nash. He's in and he slips on a banana peel. Yeah. But it was, you know, so close to... Like, the, the audience didn't laugh. We got that much. Yeah, because at this pay-per-view, it's Batista versus Kennedy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who did all sorts to get in that spot, Billy. All yeah. sorts. And instead of Bobby Lashley, we get we get Finley versus Regal, two men on the same team. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Like, it, it's somehow worse. Like, this is like, you know, oh, you know what? You might have thought Attack of the Clones is bad, but I'm going to go read all of the extended universe novels. Oh, no, it's worse now. How did yeah. that happen? It, it's, it's, somewhat, it's, it's somehow worse than watching the pay-per-view live. And then, fi- and, and then finding out that all the matches have been changed. Them laying out, you're going to have this great match, this great match, this great match. And then knowing none of those matches happen. And also knowing that there is another pay-per-view, like literally 10 days after yeah. that one. Like they are, they are promoting actively 
both this SummerSlam show and the Great American Bash show. And because Raw always has to seem more important than SmackDown, SmackDown, which has a show to promote very, very earnestly, feels left out in the cold there. We get an appearance from Hornswoggle, which I assumed was decided to be thrown out early to save the match because they didn't know what to do. And Cole refers to him as, That rabid troll! Oh my god, JBL! And JBL is like, Yeah! Oh my god, there it is, Michael! There's no such thing as leprechauns. <laughs> Stop gaslighting me, JBL. Oh, J- my God. JB also says that they're going to put the leprechaun and Taz in a step ladder match. Oh, who was that for, baby? That was just cold-blooded. What is that? Some kind of goof? Yeah, for fuck's sake. You know who really needs to be taken down a peg? The lad who's going to speak for 90 seconds later yeah. on. Him. He hasn't wrestled in years, and I feel like he could do it a good kick in. Ta- Taz can probably hear it as well. Is that, oh. <laughs> there ain't much else that this match has to offer, because I think they were going to do like a parting of the sea and have Henry and Batista collide. So we just have Batista come in, and he just squashes Booker. You get a Batista bomb. You can't do that to a king. He then pins him. You can't do that to a king on NBC. <laughs> the goodies win. Bobby Lashley didn't even step foot in the ring. Fuck me, really? Bobby Lashley didn't get even... Unless it was during that little ad break. Bobby Lashley <laughs> didn't step into the ring as the legal man at all in that match. You, you know what it was? is When he got in the ring apron, you just feel the, the enzymes yeah. were starting to elevate. Oh, don't tag me in, guys. They're elevated. But yeah, overall, it's like a, it was a boring match. It was good seeing Booker get a 619 immediately into a Batista bomb. That was fun, yeah. They had good flow. I like that. And I did enjoy JBL claiming to have invented SmackDown. <laughs> but... Really, I, 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 everything else considered, it wasn't it wasn't that great. This no, my Billy, my main thoughts to this were a match with this little heat and energy should not have the main takeaway for me at the end. Be please, for the love of God, call an ambulance because that was my main takeaway at the end of this match. And, and this and this is a six man that has got two main event feuds involved in it. Yeah, and two main event injuries coming at you at the end of this one. Absolute fucking... Like, it was It was amazing that it was as big as a fuck-up as it was, yeah. and it just seemed like a bad, boring match where someone fell over, so... It's three main events if you, if you consider Lashley, but I can't even remember who Lashley was supposed to fight at Great American Bash. Lashley was meant to take on... It was meant to be Lashley and, and Finlay for the US title. Ah, uh, yes, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, so it was. it all got jumbled up here very, very badly. Backstage, Vince McMahon is with your favourite cheerleading squad and mine. It's the Spirit Squad. And this whole segment had big Lord Zed, Rita Repulsa energy. They were just like, ah, once yeah. we get those DX Power Rangers. Ah! <laughs> and there is a holding cells have been announced for yes. the eliminated in the upcoming handicap elimination tag match that we have. What did you have in mind that the holding cells were going to look like? I'm not sure. I mean, I do remember around the time the TNA had the penalty box for the mm. King of the Mountain match. So I was expecting a less red version of that little kind of penalty box yeah. cage. Because I wasn't expecting, because I watch a lot of Deadliest Catch, I wasn't expecting <laughs> full crab pots. Oh Which yeah, we're going got. crabbing in Texas after this one. Yeah. There's big old crab pots here. Did you notice how the Spirit Squad, in spite of the fact that, like, if you were to tell me to describe them physically, I'd be like, oh, these little guys are all like bouncing around going, Ugh. all but two of the Spirit Squad are taller than Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's only Dolph and Mitch. 
That's sure. Your, your guess is because Do- Dolph's Nicky, isn't he? Yeah, Dolph's Nicky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, th- I think I think it's Dolph and Mitch are the two shorter guys, but but Johnny, Mikey, and the other one <laughs> are the uh, are the big and ones. And Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we all know, D Generation X like to press the buttons a little bit. Yeah, and sometimes those buttons are the record button. And all I'll say is, is that if I sat down to do a podcast with energy as low as this, I'd simply have to restart the damn pod and say, you know what, everyone, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's have a yum yum. Let's let's try and actually bring some joy into people's lives. Because when DX come in here, it's like they were doing this on like in traffic or something. Yeah, they're so low energy and so miserable. Now there's only one left. No <laughs> chance. <laughs> There's no chance of any of you being eliminated. I can tell you that. Not after tonight. Because tonight. Pardon the interruption, folks. We're Degeneration X. And that's Vince McMahon, our boss. You ever wonder what somebody like him is really thinking? Now, damn it. I'm telling you guys, I'm old. I'm an old, crusty geezer. That's what I'm saying. But tonight, tonight is a big night. Tonight, by the end of the night, I want you all to come to my room and take off my clothes. I want you to tie my hands up over my head, and I want you to spank my bottom until it is red. Do you understand me? Red. Spank my bottom. Well, Mr. McMahon, before we get to the spanking, we have to go out on primetime television and get our backsides handed to us by Degeneration X. Is that true? Well, I don't know if anybody notices, but I got a chin that looks like Jay Leno! I can picture it now. We're gonna get our backsides handed to us in front of the world. Oh, that's right, that's right. Those guys are gonna beat me in the face so bad it's gonna be broken. I'm gonna take this fist and shove it down my own throat. <laughs> guys, that all sounds great. It all sounds great, but remember, tonight you're gonna come to my room and you're gonna spank me once, twice, three times. I want you guys to spank my bottom until it is red. All right? Now, guys, everybody, hands in, hands in. What is it we're gonna say? On three, red bottom, okay? All One, right. two, three, red bottom! <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> we will never ever again be embarrassed by DX. Not after tonight! And they've, they've done this, this, they did this shtick a lot at this time. And I remember it being with a lot more energy than this. Yeah, I mean, like the idea is that you're going to do two juveniles, you're going to voice over Vince and the Spirit Squad, and do silly, silly voices and have them say silly things. And honestly, the funniest thing about this entire scene is that Vince McMahon manages to sweat through his shirt, even though he's, he, mm. he seems to be wearing a sports t-shirt underneath it. The, the other but, thing I found particularly funny about this scene is behind Vince McMahon, for some reason, is Van Gogh's Starry Night. <laughs> So I don't know if in kayfabe Vince owns that painting. Look, it's either going to be a giant T-Rex skull or Van Gogh's Starry Night. <laughs> Nothing in between. The two extremes of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And look, the lines that they have are basically the same line that's used three times. And yeah. there's the rule of three in stand-up, Billy, isn't there? Which is when something doesn't work the first time, you should do it two more times to really check with the audience. Just, just in case the reason they didn't laugh is because they didn't hear you properly the first time. Well, I'm not sure, Hunter. Maybe they didn't hear me say spank my red bottom three times. So I'll say it another time as well, just to be sure, you know? And uh, then we're going to spank my red bottom. And then the spirit squad are going to spank my red bottom. And then they're all going to have their red bottoms spanked by me, Vince McMahon, who also has a, 
a spanked red bottom. Fucking grow up. Triple, grow up. Triple H and Sean are legitimately funnier than this. Like, they're they're at least a little bit more creative than this, yeah. I would think. Like, to say the same thing over and over, and it goes on and on. And they don't even do a remotely good... Like, they keep being too late when they're meant to do the voiceover. Like, the idea of this is, I don't think it was done live. And if it was, Jesus Christ, why was it done live? And I, the, one, the one thing I will give it credit for is the mime acting of Vince and the Spirit Squad. Where they, you know, when they were saying... saying of doing the choreography, so we've got we've got this many seconds to do it before Vince has to raise his arms up or take his shirt off, and then they can react to it. That I, I did appreciate that. It it was a disservice, I think, to the very good job that Vince and the Spirit Squad did because yeah. they had the full like survivor series about you know baddie team energy where they're all like you know reaching the apex pointing but as their energy increased sean and hunter were just like oh i don't know i ran it by the bible group and they didn't like it so i guess we have to do an unfunny one this time champ i'm sorry and triple a's like don't worry there's a bit next week where candace michelle sucks my dick and i spray mustard everywhere so it'll make up for it (laughs) fucking rubbish yeah proper rubbish and here we go. The highlight of the night, folks. This was unbelievable. And let me tell you, Billy, this is a straight-up shoot. It's the WWE Diva Bull Riding Contest for the folks here in Dallas, Texas. Now, I knew this was going to be on here before before I watched it. I didn't know there was a full fucking tournament. Oh, Billy, look at this fake fan here. Someone didn't skip out on biology revision so they could watch the uh, the, the heats on WWE.com <laughs> Unlimited, your premier space for all the important things that you usually miss, mostly involving entrances for Heel Divas, Viscera, and whatever Gene Snitsky's been up to, WWE.com Unlimited. It was tout before tout was tout. <laughs> And like it, it just annoyed me though watching these, these segments though because I want it to be a shoot. Oh, Billy! It's are you telling me this was so a shoot? No, this what, was no. no like, God, this what, is what, definitely what, a shoot. Watch, watch Mickey. Watch Mickey James. It barely moves, and she just goes like ah, oh, and then throws herself off. I want it to be a shoot. Okay, here's here's what's happening here. This is my theory on this, okay? You've got a lot of people in here who is basically an opportunity for dress up. You've got your know, Ashley, Maria, etc., who and they've got like, you know, the the very over the top cowgirl outfits and they get on in like in the rhinestone stilettos and it books for one second they're like fuck and they fall off. And honestly, it's hilarious. They look amazing and they all fall over. Great. Mickey James comes out wearing a fucking t-shirt and a hat looking like the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior in 1996. And she literally gets on that with her arms fucking folded, Billy. Her heart was not in it. And that was a shoot. And there's no reason we would have heel Victoria and heel teacher Michelle McCool reach the finals if this was anything other than a shoot, because both of them look like women who've ridden bulls before. Well, uh, well, I, I've got more to say about it being it, it being a work 
when we get to the when we get to the final. I'm saying the brackets are issues. The final we'll have a different discussion <laughs> on. But I will say it was very interesting to watch all of these divas and their various gimmicks trying to negotiate them with the reality of being on a bull riding machine. It was absolutely hilarious. And that bull riding machine they weren't like going soft on it to help anyone out. That thing was fucking nasty. But it's, it was just a shame that we've literally seen a dog do better on a bull riding machine than than these than these women. Okay, Billy. Not everyone is on your YouTube faves playlist. Okay, <laughs> not everyone is in into the hooked in like that. Okay. Coming up next, mixed tag team action player, as we've got Johnny Nitro and Melina taking on Trish Stratus and Carlito. The couple who Vince McMahon hated the most versus the couple that he wished that they always were in the first place. Trish Stratus with tragic cribbed hair and fuck me, Carlito. You've just got the worst t-shirt ever, haven't you? Wow! And he doesn't look like he's happy to be there either. No, I spin the face of people who give me a t-shirt that says, do you want to spit or swallow when you suck my dick, baby? <laughs> Carlito doesn't look like the happiest camper in the World Wrestling Entertainment franchise at the moment. No, he he, he obviously wants to be doing other things. Because Carlito was a good, entertaining character, and he was good in the ring. And he never yeah. he was one of those guys who just never hit that level. And he came back at the Royal Rumble last year, if you remember. Yeah, and he was massive. And no one thought they could do anything with the massively jacked Carlito. Ridiculous. I don't understand that. I've always heard stories, you know, the rumors that have been mentioned in shoot interviews, etc. That, like, oh, he was he was aloof and he didn't want to, you know, play along with everyone. And he was, you know, only in it for himself. And he was lazy and this, that and the other. And honestly, I always like that. That for me is always the big red flag when someone is like telling me that that's someone's reputation because you know that company's pretty fucked up and always has been in its own unique way. Yeah. And I felt like in a different set of circumstances, Carlito easily could have thrived given like his absolute connection to the Puerto Rican audience, which is still a sizable part of who we watch in WWE around this time. Yeah, and and they contradict themselves with him on commentary because they, he's still billed from the Caribbean. And I'm pretty sure the Puerto Rico's not considered the Caribbean. No, and I don't... Like, the Caribbean was a bit vague, wasn't it? I'm not really sure what they were going for here. But unfortunately, Carlito's not in this match at the start. Instead, we have Trish and Melina, both of whom are absolutely fine in the ring at this point. And honestly, they had a decent enough match at Survivor Series prior to this in 2005. But again, this is uh, another performer who had like, you know, allegedly, you know, backstage heat and issues and all that in Melina. But her and Trish, it just seemed uncooperative and very clunky as a result. Yes. Yeah. This this is all a bit of a mess absolute mess especially when you've got nitro and carlito there who can go i know and they're just kind of sitting there waiting for like the kind of clunky bit to end and then don't leave a dog there because it's a hot car to tag lito who comes in runs wild and tries to save the match with a drop kick a big cool kip flip that he does we then have trish and melina rolling around outside because they're women wrestlers in wb in 2006 Nitro gets the backcracker, not yet the backstabber because he's a face. And Team TNC pick up the win. It was short, it was shit, and it managed to mask the skills and abilities of one Johnny Nitro. The only only thing I really did like about this match was JR's call about barbecue, if you heard that. Who who did he talk about covered in barbecue sauce? no, No one. JR said every single person in this ring 
comes from a place that has great barbecue. He says <laughs> that's when he was like got Canadians. Yeah, he says we've got Toronto's got great barbecue. Puerto Rico's got great barbecue. California's got great barbecue. Latinos got great barbecue. <laughs> the Caribbean's got great barbecue. Where's not got great barbecue, Jim Ross? It sounds just, like you just love barbecue. And he just, he just, said, just says that Molina's from Latino. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Awful, awful match. I don't know how you managed to fuck up such a short little encounter, but there we go. We've got a big match coming up with Deggs taking on the Spirit Squad. But first, it's time to stare into the haunted eyes of Kevin Von Erich, who comes out in front of his hometown Texas crowd, the legend from World Class Championship Wrestling from Dallas. And the more you talk about it, the closer we get to bring it up to the absolute unbridled yeah. tragedy that is that poor man's fucking life. Like, but, I, I get oh. sad whenever I see Kevin, like, especially when thinking about the Dark Side of the Ring episode. But at least with that, you can see that he's like, at this point in time, he's, well, mm. now, in the present, he's found a, a bit of peace. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It felt kind of like there was a strangeness about it, but it was nice to see him do, you know, the legendary Von Erich Claw sign yeah. and get a pop from people. Like, the the fans in Dallas still there were uh, were, were with the Von Erichs in spirit, which was nice to see. Uh, <laughs> we'll say... This next match, I was genuinely excited for. Genuinely excited. Uh, I was excited for it too. I thought this is going to be a nice, fun 10 minutes. And, you know, obviously, the whole role of the Spear Squad is they are flipping, high-flying bodies to be thrown around, humiliated, sell over the top. Like, I remember so many matches in this time where... People were groaning and moaning, but I'm like, Shawn Michaels, five on one against the Spirit Squad in a steel cage, and they all pick up one part of his body and throw him into the sky, and he lands through a table? Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see the Spirit Squad get decimated at Survivor Series. Yeah, I want to see him get absolutely mowed down by two top stars. I was all on board for this, yeah, they're, even they're, though they're, DX had a shocking lack of merchandise when they came out for me to uh, to, to get excited yeah, about. The Spirit Squad were the mid-2000s posse. Yeah, absolutely. And Closest like, thing that we had. We, we, we want to see him get tossed around. We want to see him get killed. But uh, something goes wrong here. Yeah, it was it was it was dreadfully flat. We come out with the Spirit Squad, the theme, by the way, which has huge Mario Party vibes yeah. within this. Just listen to this music and imagine you losing all your stars in a cruel twist of fate at the end of a very hard <laughs> bit of graft. Yeah, it's not very nice, is it? No, Luigi didn't earn any of that, did he, the son of a bitch? I will also say as well, JR, he couldn't help himself, could he, with his little jibe about the sitting president. Could you imagine being an adult male cheerleader? Our president, background in a Yale, a former male cheerleader. Leader of the free world, ladies and gentlemen. Makes me sick. Because, <laughs> you know, after Hurricane Katrina, it was good. And, you know, the invasion of Iraq and the upcoming financial crash. It was good to get down to brass tacks. But it was really wrong about George W. Bush, which was his experience as a male cheerleader yeah, in, a, in a snooty university. <laughs> For whatever reason, even though we've got male cheerleaders begging to be hit and DX begging to hit someone, and we've got a fun cone to work with, absolute silence as HVK knocks them all out with the cone. It gets no reaction this time. They've done this spot over yeah. and over and over. It always got a reaction. And and then the Spirit Squad themselves, like a couple of them are high flyers, and can, but, but this is all grounded. Yeah, punches. punched and kicked by Triple H yeah. and Shawn Michaels. I, I did enjoy Triple H blasting them with the air horn. When they oh, that wasn't, yeah. 
That was an all-time wonky air horn noise. Do you remember the night on Raw that... <laughs> you know when you're like you're doing your air horn but the air horns just hit puberty it was yeah. fucking fantastic it was great we get sweet chin mitch to music which lets jim ross to go lock him up johnny gets stood in with the secondary signature move the spine buster because he's nothing and the crowd <laughs> are not are not buying any of this yeah. They're not rising to the base of the spirit squad. Vince McMahon comes out. I'm not sure this is an audible. Get out the chairman. Maybe he'll rile up the crowd a little bit. He's there hitting them with chairs and stuff. Still can't get this audience to make a peep. We get Mikey and Kenny. They get 0.15% of a hope spot. They managed to get Triple H in a situation where he might be punched. Yeah. But then he gives them both the pedigree. <laughs> And Nikki gets the sweet chin music as well. We then get the top rope elbow, sweet chin music, and a pedigree to Kenny. And Vince fumes, knocks out the referee. He unlocks the spirit squad and then is kicked into the cage. And we just have DX pose on top of the cage with some unconscious men in there, one of whom is a lot older. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what happened here. This could have been like the most entertaining match of the night. And it just wasn't. I was also expecting as well when they stand on the cage, the way that Hunter kept grabbing onto the the wires that suspend them. I kept expecting they would be lifted to the roof. Well, like Taker, King of the Ring, ninety eight. Yeah. Like I was, you know? I was kind of expecting that they're going to take those nasty spirit squad away. And instead, they stood on these two cages, both of their 40-something-year-old knees knocking together as yeah. they wobbled around. And honestly, all you could say at the end of this is the crowd didn't make much noise and they stood up there all wobbly posing is, there they are now, yeah. the lads. They, there they, they are. They, they got a pop when they came out, DX did. Yeah. But throughout the match, no one really cared. It's time for a caption contest. It's me, your old pal, cowboy of the slight future, Kevin Mann, joined by the harbinger of Saturday night's main event and all things 2006 and vaguely dark and mysterious, it's Billy Keeble. Hello. How you doing, Billy? I'm doing well. We've got a, a juicy caption du jour here. What's our, our saucy picture that's taken us through some merriment from the glad gay community? So we've got a little cage, which looks like a crab pot. Um, <laughs> all right. I know I know. we didn't spend enough time on the Deadliest Catch Mick Foley bit during season two. <laughs> well, I wasn't a fan of Deadliest Catch then. I, I, I you shit missed all over your that. chance, Billy. I did. That's all that happened. <laughs> Maybe we should do that WrestleMania again for boys' picks. <laughs> just, so, just so I can talk about Deadliest Catch. You finally fucking lose <laughs> so we have what appears to be as you said billy a crab pot but there ain't no crabs inside this crab pot no we've got the spirit squad and vince all sort of huddled on top of each other and uh, we have with, the, with their skeletons firmly inside their bodies yeah and we are our captain sig hansen is triple h um <laughs> slamming the door shut looking at them crab them crab I mean, a mob of crabs. I think you could refer to yeah, as a I'd crab, like Billy. So. And with my background in zoology, I think I can I can officially make that an actual scientific phrase. Now I've christened it. Therefore, it is acceptable. This caption contest is sponsored by our good old friends up north, the Nerdy Up North podcast. Billy, they've said often to me when I moved to Manchester that it's grim up north. But did you know that it's also nerdy up north? I didn't know. I'm, I'm a northerner through and through. You're a northerner through and through, but Billy, would you be the type of guy that a big old jock would come in, rip off his shirt and go, 
<laughs> I told you that in confidence. <laughs> Look, he's not allowed back anymore. All right, we made sure of it. But Jake and the gang of the Nerdy Up North podcast is a fabulous story. It started off as a Facebook community where they gathered thousands of members, and now it is a podcast. They do a live stream of it where the video is uploaded onto their YouTube channel every week. Check out Nerdy Up North over on YouTube. Whatever you can hope for in the world of nerdishness, they vibe off of it. I'm talking about games, sci-fi, comics, etc. Recently doing a special wrestling retrospective. And of course, everyone's favorite medium in the audio world. All sorts of top five. So if you are a little bit on the nerdy side and not only North... And Northerners are not the only ones welcome. I have it on good authority that all geographical directions are allowed. Check out Nerdy Up North. It is available on Facebook. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get your audio. Check them out. They're fabulous. They've got a great sense of humor. I'm longtime fans of the show. Thanks for Jake and the gang for sponsoring the caption contest. But Billy, we've got a tall order ahead of us. Let's get to crabbing. You're over on Facebook.com slash Attitude Air Podcast. And I'm here over on the old Twitter, at AE Podcast. Take it away from me, please, Bill. Uh, so first off from Dan Dickinson. Uh, just So just imagine here, I'm a spring watch narrator. Um, here we have the lesser spotted hunter, stalking the independent wrestling talent to serve up to his alpha, Vincent K. McMahon. <laughs> but you told me I'd be the alpha. <laughs> Not anymore. No, stop. <laughs> We've got a uh, over here on the Twitter wrestling referees as wizards. It's just the episode of Trailer Park Boys where Jim Leahy becomes a cop again and puts them in a makeshift little prison that he's made, <laughs> kind of out of old scrap iron and corrugated sheet metal. So uh, same energy indeed for sure. Uh, from Anthony Lauro Aman, bro, it's a reverse cage match. I swear to God, they're gonna love this. It's a cage match. Well, you got to start outside of the cage and escape your way in, bro. It's basically Cody Rhodes' situation yeah. at the moment, isn't it? Breaking back into a prison, isn't it? <laughs> and you know what is going to be in that cage, bros, when you get in there? They're going to put cheerleaders in there, bro. <laughs> I mean... This, like, if you if you swap this around a little bit, this is an early TNA pay-per-view. We got some cage dancers here who looked a little bit out of sorts. So, yeah, it feels like this has got Russo all over it. All the way over here from Lil Noah at Noah Way Home. Long before WWE introduced the red Hell in the Cell, they were fanning about with the RGB settings on the Spirit Squad's cage. Yeah, this Ooh. one set the HDR into overdrive is what I'm saying. Yeah, it did. Uh, from Kevin Cabarello, uh, Vince... Basically, we put the jobbers in here, and if the cage doesn't turn green, we let them out. Hunter, heh, iron, corrosion, <laughs> this, you're the best. <laughs> is this the first time we've had a caption contest that may potentially be exclusionary on the basis of whether or not you're colorblind? <laughs> Maybe, quite possibly. What have we wandered ass first into, Billy? I didn't anticipate this. AJ Springer here. With no more room to release roster members, the Hell in the Cell structure could no longer escape budget cuts. Mick Foley would later comment that he wished he'd been thrown off the modern structure instead. <laughs> I'm sorry, AJ, but that really struck, struck me as like the start of Dawn of the Dead there, where he said, with no more room. When there's no more room in NXT, <laughs> the diddlers will walk the earth. Uh, David R. Brown, 
After being away for some time due to a health scare, Triple H returns to trap all of WWE's problems into a cage and send them away. <laughs> I mean, it's worked before. I mean, you know, you can't cage them and rage them. What's the point of even being an executive? Go in here from Joey Pish. You can't do this to me. I started this company. You have any idea how much I've sacrificed? Basically, I missed the part where that's my problem. <laughs> oh my God, we're jewel wielding Spider-Man quotes. We are. Wait, look, you know what? We've, we've done a commentary track on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and you know what? You can keep your Simpsons references to a bare minimum without us being snarky, but you can give me Tobey Maguire oh, all absolutely. day long and I'll have a smile on my face. <laughs> From Liam Bullock, loud chewing, good trap. <laughs> <laughs> we got like five or six of these. Yeah. Um, our water dish is empty. <laughs> Deep dives, I like it. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw in my own one. Okay, okay, give it to me, if Billy. That, if, that, if that's permitted. It's permitted, of course it's permitted, Billy. Big Show's lunchbox is so big, it needs a Triple H. For fuck's sake, <laughs> you promised me no more BS. No more Big Show stereotypes. That was the real that we had. Uh, from Films Naf here, Luke Crate really is the shits nowadays. <laughs> oh, imagine getting this, getting the. I nearly called them the Suicide Squad. Imagine getting the Spirit <laughs> Squad and Luke Crate. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, you get me James Gunn, give me a gritty, over the top, crazy as crazy as you can imagine reboot of the Spirit Squad. Pop John Cena in there, you know it'll make it a winner. We don't need to get rid of this concept just yet, guys. There's money to be made. Uh, from Robin Amadeus Slaven, which is a cracking name if that is your shoot name. Wow, um, yeah. Coming out of my cage and I'm not doing fine. Triple H is waiting there to bury me. <laughs> uh, Eddie O'Keefe, fan of the podcast here over in Sitcans, Eddie, letting us know that if you zoom in on Triple H's back in this image, it looks a bit like a bum. So, uh, oh. there you go. How about oh. that? The many creases of Triple H's back looking like a bum there. Uh, Harry Green here with My name's Triple H and I'm in a rage I want the spirit squad and I want them in a cage My good snap will make them crumble But now I've been pushed out with the NXT reshuffle <laughs> The NXT reshuffle Not to be confused with the sex offender shuffle That was a different That's a different song, song Different song, different meme altogether So yeah, from Jordan Jabroni Vince McMahon here pondering Alright, uh, get me a uh... Give me a Robocop out here. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just realizing now. This, I think, was meant to be done in the cadence of Vince McMahon wanting Alberto Del Rio to come out mm. and cash in Money in the Bank on CM Punk. A desperate Vince doing desperate things here. Uh, so the, the next one was a very similar one. Benjamin D.D. Crew, the awkward moment when you realize you forgot to book Robocop. Robocop's on a three-match deal, but it's Saudi only. Yeah. Like, you know, they'll only pop for the big He, w he would only play Saudi. <laughs> Coming up here from Sam Tomlin. Hunter returns to Titan Towers after his layoff. As you can see, pal, there's been some changes while you've been away. Say hello to War Games 2.0, pal. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I look, it doesn't look much on its own, but side by side, the two of those, it's a devastating structure. Uh, Sean Parfit here with... Triple H was not impressed with the realistic, legit Hell in a Cell real replica WWE cell he bought from Wish. <laughs> oh, you look exactly like your picture. <laughs> Noah Stewart, 
What are the McMahons doing in the coal mine? Oh my! Sorry, Billy, if we make one more reference to that period of wrestling, it's going to be 2012 all over again. Let's just do the second season again. Yay! (laughs) Charlie Crowley with Triple H visits NXT UK. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we got one here from your pal Hal. Triple H holds up the NXT 2.0 logo. Look how he massacred my boy. <laughs> From uh, Dominic Win Sands, due to oncoming budget cuts, WWE has released Hell from Hell in a Cell and will now be just known as Cell going forward. We wish Hell the best with their future endeavors. Well, I've watched Dragon Ball Z and I don't trust Cell one fucking no. bit, man. One bit. And when it becomes perfect Cell, when it gets slightly bigger and gets a long tail. Then you know you're in for trouble. You're in for big fucking trouble indeed, Billy. Going here from Kevin No Last Name. How Kevin and Adam must feel watching Billy's boys pick dominate the voting polls. It very much so. It feels like uh, I'm kind of, I'm like trapped in a cage within a cage. I feel like Mikey. I'm trapped in a, in a metaphorical cage, the gimmick of the spirit squad. And then in a figurative and literal cage, the small cage, which also symbolizes my cage nature. So, yeah, actually, I agree with that one a lot, Kevin No Last Name. Quite a lot, actually. Well, I actually got a similar one from Andy Mitchell, who said, uh, Kevin and Adam hiding from Billy's picks. Hide? We don't hide. You hid in the, you hid in the cage, and I'm there, big, big hunter, just watching and saying, you ready, you, you ready for... Right, all right. You know what, Billy? I'm officially announcing it right here, right now, because we're so close to the end of, of season four, and I'm announcing that my boys pick. All I'll say is, I'm gonna. And I'll say no more. Okay. And I know everyone at home who knows what I'm talking about knows that Billy Keeble is in for big trouble. That's all I'm saying. And I, I know I sound like a wrestling manager in the 80s going, look, I know King Kong Bundy and Earthquake and Typhoon have all failed, but Big John Stun is coming for you now, Hulk Hogan, and I'm 45% sure that he's got a good chance. <laughs> all right? A good chance, yeah? I've had a final one from me from Tom White with a cheeky little father's head reference. This cage is small. That cage is far away. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for all the fabulous captions, comments, additionata, and all that. Make sure you follow us on the old social media, facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, or following us on the Twitter over at AE Podcast. Don't forget, as well, if you want to get the caption contest sponsor slot, just hit us up, attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com, or any and all details over at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast. But once again, a big shout-out to Nerdy Up North. Check him out on the Facebook and make sure you go over you check him out on the YouTube channel as well. Check out that live video podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for sponsoring the show. And make sure you check him out. Until then, it's time for me and Billy to head back to Saturday night and the main event of Saturday night's main event. Let's go, Billy! Yay! And you can tell that they thought this would be a bigger deal because after this match is when they tell us about what's coming up on Raw and like, what will the Spirit Squad make of DX after what's happened here tonight? Well, it seems like a hot angle, lads. It's a good thing you advertised it to me. We also now have a rare backstage sighting, an even rarer promo from everyone's favorite suicidal, homicidal, death-defying, genocidal maniac. It is Saibu who says... Hi, I'm Sabu. <laughs> yeah, I'm suicidal. 
I'm homicidal. I'm genocidal. And I'll knock your damn brains out. Knock, yeah. knock. Who's there? It's the suicidal, homicidal, and genocidal, death-defying maniac, Sabu. And I like that his eyes were darting around. He's like, I'm Sabu. Yeah, I mean, it was an extreme close-up as well. So I did, I did enjoy this this little primer backstage, even though there was like nothing of substance said in it. I just liked like the delivery of it. I like that they used some of the footage of him in modern ECW, WWE CW, and they also used the footage of him from, you know, back in the day with old clips of Paul Lee talking about how death-defying and incredible he is to watch and all that. You could tell here, and I've often heard this, that Vince McMahon, there was only the two ECW gimmicks that he thought were like, oh, there's some potential here. One was Balls Mahoney and one was, was Sabu. We never really got to see what that vision actually no. really was. But Sabu, you can tell, right? his eyes are darting, not because he's doing the promo. His eyes are darting because he wants to make sure that no one can see him doing this promo. <laughs> because he might as well go with that fucking camera on, light a cigar afterwards and do a shoot. He is not comfortable doing this at no, all. No, not at all. But look, away from not being in his comfort zone, Sabu, it's now to go right into our comfort zone, which is an in-ring segment with the great Kali and his manager, Javari, baby. Ooh, it's time for some Punjabi prison talk. Yeah, and the only thing bigger than the spectacle of the Punjabi prison and bigger than the gigantic presence of the Great Kali is Javari's massive shite cheap suit. Oh, the shoulder pads on them. What the fuck did he make it himself with a knife and fork? Where did he fucking get this thing? It's huge. Not long into the promo, he gets interrupted by the also seven foot two heel giant, the Big Show who's got his own man with a big suit and a big smile, Paul Heyman with them. And it's just a little bit of back and forth of which little guy likes his giant man the most. Yeah. I was expecting we were going to... I got excited when Heyman came out because I thought, well, we're going to get a good Heyman promo. He didn't say diddle, did he? He didn't, he didn't say shit. But I did enjoy show opening. His opening line was, We're fixing to see him get it on. <laughs> man, you're a big boy. Ooh, you're a big boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was amazing. And, like, they are going full force here now saying that Big Show is ECW. And you've not lived till you've seen a very, very out of shape, gassed, hurt, tired, by his own admission, way yeah. overweight Big Show coming out. And here, Michael Cole go, ECW, it's the alternative to the WWE, John. It is uh, It is the different show that we have. It's the fucking big show. Uh, I think that's alternative about this is that he looks in absolute agony. Yeah, and, it, and it's not a particularly good promo from, from Big Show. At one oh, point, God. He's got Heyman right there, yeah. Billy. And instead, we got Big Show being like, I'm the only man to win the WEDF, I mean the WCD. He says that he held the WC title because his toilet's so big it needs a lifeguard. Billy, you said that he was like, Ooh, that's a big boy. Now I think about it, those are straight up Donkey Kong noises. He's yeah. like, whoa, 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 that's a big boy. And then he and he says, he literally says that he's out here to put Carly over. Yeah, he just he just says he's great. You know, you're a lot less sweaty than I am, obviously. You know, you, you, you don't have labored breathing when you do a promo like I do. But what you're not, Grey Callie, is what I, the big show, am, which is... Seven foot tall of extreme ECW champion. <laughs> I oh, reckon. Man. I reckon they knew that the that Carly was out. 
absolutely at this 100%. point and look how elevated that man's liver enzymes are the like, size of them the fact that like i i couldn't remember i it was i was under the impression that with the punjabi prison match was that it was a spur of the moment big show you you're doing it the fact that the big show's out here now 100 percent, they knew a week yeah. before this match was not going ahead did you catch what JPL referred to Great Cali as? And we all thought that he loved the big show because he's all like, get up, Jant. But uh, he referred to Great Cali as my Smackdown Jant Cali. <laughs> he also says that this is going to be like Jurassic Park, which is what he was trying to say when he said oh, like Steven, Steven Spielberg, Spielberg movie. movie. Of course. A great little bit of... You know, this is just kind of like your know, Master Chef when they've got the theme and it syncs up to someone who's chopping some celery. But when Greg Kelly rubs his hands together and goes, "Yeah," it then makes the Undertaker's gong go off. <laughs> and we've got three men, all of whom are dressed in black, and we are told that the battles between the Big Show and Undertaker have been legendary, John. No, they have not. Absolutely not. Big Show blindsides Undertaker, and yeah, you hear it, folks. EC Dub, EC Dub. The chants are just deafening. You know, it's the most extreme thing they've seen all night. JBL has the gall to call this face-off the first time ever. Yeah, like, come on, yeah, technically, like, Jesus Christ. We get the double goozle as Callie and Show choke slam Undertaker as he's left laying, and JBL has to do his sad dog voice. But then he gets his words mixed up. He says, Death and dawn has rung for the last time, Michael. Dead man, the dong is wrong. <laughs> this as as Big Show's leaving, this is also where we get that that little line that they use for the Punjabi prison match package where he says, like, I'd heard of it. I've traveled all over the world and I heard of this match, but I didn't think it was real. And Cole is just like, huh, what the heck is a Punjabi prison match anyway, John? I guess we'll find out <laughs> Sunday. We get not one, not two, but three recaps of this segment in a goddamn row. Chain smoking them. And the crowd, yes, they are stunned into silence by what we've seen here. And only one man can catch up with the extreme giant and let us know about the beatdown he laid on him. Big Show's got a big challenge for ECW on sci-fi, brother. I don't even know why they interviewed Big Show, because all he really says here is, Carly's big, and but I am, I am a giant, I am big too. Like, I don't know why they uh, did, but yeah. after, after having him say the promo in front of the audience, I don't know why they had him say it again backstage. Because he was given assurances that if he put over the Grey Kelly, he'd be given a spotlight and opportunity to put himself over as well. Mm. And yes, can you believe us? The red hot Great American Bash Punjabi prison spur of the moment announced match of Big Show versus Undertaker had to work with its back against the wall of having The Undertaker and Big Show wrestle the Tuesday beforehand. Fuck me. Yeah. What a hard-working man the Big Show is. They're just making this man work, huh? I don't know what they see in... like. Obviously, I've got a lot of time for the Big Show, and I don't think he really got great until, like... To, like Similar to Mark Henry time, really, yeah. is when Big Show got good. moments here and there beforehand, but, I think. But, but yeah. I don't know why they would sig- single out Big Show as, like, this is the guy who's going to be the workhorse of, of, the, of the company at this time. 
Yeah, Jesus Christ. Like, honestly, keep Paul Ellering away from this fucking workhorse because he looks old and looks like he should be gotten rid of. Cole learned how to box and threatened to do a match with Hulk Hogan. That'll get you back Ooh. on track. Oh, baby, coming up next, it's Sabu taking on Stevie Richards. Billy, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Sabu's one of my all-time faves. I absolutely love Sabu. He's fantastic. And I feel like what we're about to watch is one of the rare instances of Sabu being on the podcast. And I feel as a result of that, we're just going to get some really cringy shit from Sabu. Okay. That's going to make us feel a little bit crap. Lay it on me. So what I'll do to make us all who are big Sabu fans at home is we'll listen to the sound of his incredible entrance music. Which Absolute is, fave five entrance music. It gives music. me goosebumps every single time, which supposes the question, what if a mysterious Arabian man left you a box of milk tray in the middle of the <laughs> night? And as we play this theme, I'm going to read for you from Sabu's autobiography, a short piece of text. F you shout outs. Now to all the insecure, jealous, backstabbing, cock-sucking, cheap, no-selling assholes I have come across, I'd like to close with some special fuck-you shoutouts that I've crafted for you, a la Sabu Twitter style, complete with extra commas for extra emphasis, three commas, to Kurt Angle, three commas, because I may have to wrestle you again one day, I won't hit you with a stiff fuck you, but maybe something just a little underneath and a bit more professional, like a, you sir, I could do without. <laughs> to- <laughs> Cousin Own, turn away. To test, three commas, I would like to send a big, really big fuck you shout out beyond the grave to a bastard who no sold like an asshole fuck and always me. tattled like a little baby. Fuck to, me. To Koji Kanemoto and his no selling bullshit. Fuck you and your no selling bullshit. To Jim Ross, three commas, I say fuck you for treating the shriek like trash and ripping him off. You still owe him money, you cocksucker. Feel free to PayPal me $150,000 or whatever it is at your earliest convenience, prick. To Ric Flair, three commas, and to even though I may need him one day, Johnny the Dickhead Ace, three commas. Fuck you both for your political bullshit. I would also like to add Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, and Michael Hayes to this list because you all really suck. To Vince McMahon, believe it or not, I won't say fuck you. To you, Vince, because you never really said anything to my face that was actually not somewhat professional. You've done a lot for the business that I love, and I've given a lot of my friends work. So for all of this, I do have respect for you. I will say, though, you always shook my hand like a short bus meathead, almost pulling my shoulder right out of my socket. Dot, 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 and finally, three commas, to the rest of you out there who have done me wrong, and to all of you on the internet, you trolls. Fuck you. Jesus Christ, Sabu. And uh, I said it once before, and I'll say it again there, Billy. A lot to unpack on a very brief I, page I, from Sabu's autobiography. I cannot believe he said that about Test. Yeah. Good God in heaven, man. That's, 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 he's coming for Test, baby. He doesn't care what, what's going on. Test is in the line of sight. Like, you can, you can say, he can say, like, I didn't like working with Test. But to say a big fuck you to beyond the grave. And also, kudos for managing to find a way to be offensive about not saying fuck you to Vince McMahon yeah. in a whole new way we didn't appreciate. Yeah. So there's some genuine Sabu for you. Black tar heroin Sabu, smoking a cigar and showing the cameras off. And now he's going to take on Stevie Richards. And we've got on commentary to take us through this a minute and a half action. We got Joey Styles and Taz, a.k.a. worse Taz and Michael Cole. Imagine if Michael Cole, instead of being an inquisitive dipshit, was a right-wing troll. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck you, Joey Styles. This is Extreme Rules, and 
He just does some Sabu stuff, doesn't he, Bill? Yeah, like, and this is easily the best match of the night because <laughs> of it. I'm not saying much. Because Stevie, <laughs> one, it's so weird seeing Stevie Richards in trunks. Yeah, and on Saturday night's main event. But he, it's just it's just a minute and a half of Stevie getting fucked with a chair. He gets the chair thrown in his face. We get the triple moonsault to complete silence from the audience, and by like, the way. And that's a great... that Him running against... Jumping off the chair, onto the ropes, doing into a moonsault. That's incredible. And to all the people, three commas, who thought I would fuck up the triple jump moonsault, I would like to say, fuck you, three commas. As he's hitting the triple jump moonsault, Joey Styles ushers the phrase, ECW is all about extreme sexuality. And that had me thinking, I got to tune in to see that Big Show Undertaker match on Tuesday, (laughs) baby. Got to get on that sci-fi. I I did like, after the moonsault, Sabu goes for the cover and uh, Stevie kicks out at two. But the ref just goes... (laughs) Watu! <laughs> he doesn't just say two. He he. The ref Watu. himself goes Watu. Mamma mia! He got some jazzy pants on him there, kind of a bling Cookie Monster vibe, just for around the house, like. And uh, yeah, he's Sabu. So he breaks the table. No, not like that, you idiot! In the way that might be construed as fun, he puts someone on it and then he pulls it, shattering the illusion yeah. of tables, but not the table itself. Just the legs then- shatter. And, like, I've never seen a more passive-aggressive Arabian skull crusher than this. He literally yeah. jumps, he lands on his feet and just throws the chair on the ground <laughs> with his hands and his hips. Awful. And you know it's a bad match because after Sabu picks up the win, he's got the spike in his hand running around. Who dares criticise my bad match? Yeah. And, like, I was, I was thinking that when I saw the spike, I, I thought it was a railroad spike he had in his boot. I thought it was a nail for the coffin of ECW, but no, <laughs> it was a railroad spike, I believe. I think I've told the story before because I knew a guy who worked with Sabu, and Sabu would carry that in his boot at all times because if anyone tried to fuck him over in a, in a shoot, he'd take out the spike, and that was his weapon, and he was he was always having that on him. So you knew things were going crazy if Sabu takes out the spike. Honestly, Sabu, you shouldn't have taken out the spike. You should have taken out an Allen key and fixed that table before yeah. you went anyone through it's what you should have done fuck me this next backstage segment oh Oh my god randy orton approaches brooke hogan and he's got some romance on his mind billy he's married at this point i think yeah he's just doing a little bit of chatting her up a little bit of chatting um and then hogan comes off and he's like get away from my girl in more ways than one and uh you know he says i'll just uh, hogan stares at him for a second just says i'll see you i'll see you at SummerSlam, mate and then Hogan's there with his wife and his daughter. He's like, I'm hardcore. I'll take them both. Yeah. <laughs> In the spirit of ECW that yeah. we've just seen. Uh, well, and he's got, well, and, and, he'll, and he'll go into that because one of the reasons that Hogan uh, knows best got cancelled is because he had an affair with somebody in Brooke's class. Oh, and it wasn't Brooke as and well. it wasn't we're, Brooke. We're, it wasn't Brooke. And Don't then, misconstrue our words there. And then Linda start in in i guess revenge started going out with somebody who was in the year between brooke and nick wow fits the bill billy fits the bill so we have the mildest rko on record despite the fact that it's delivered to an old man on a car but it's just like it's it's fun i i feel like i've taken rkos on my own car like this you know getting ready yeah. to go on a big drive and you go wee a little i mean wee, a little I, soft rko I, I enjoyed the air that, that Randy got. 
and he how got he just Varchi, slid on the carpet yeah. and was up, upright again. The, my my problem with it is is the camera angle because Hogan clearly doesn't touch the trunk. No, he doesn't. You know, it's his his big arms, Billy. They're so big they got in the way. Is what it was. He was too jacked to take the move in a believable manner. And two things about this scene then made me laugh. The first was Brooke Hogan coming out of the car that her father had just been RKO'd onto and being like, what happened, Randy? Because the move was so light. Like, Jesus Christ. You think you'd notice if someone got She's smashed on there. She's such a bad actor. And the other thing which is distracting was Joe coming in and screaming over and over, run him over, finish the job. <laughs> And it's incredibly quiet in the arena once again. And we cut back to JR just goes, I can't believe it, King. Turtle disrespect. <laughs> is that in reference to turtle wax that you might put on a car? Uh, m- maybe. Maybe it is. Uh, Mario had some tortoise disrespect in his games, but uh, JR tries to do the JR like, let me tell you something about Hulkamania. Because deep down in his heart, Randy Orton knows, he knows that he can't beat Hulk Hogan. At some of the- do you disagree with that? Do you do you, do you dis- <laughs> And he just can't muster it. He's like, Hulkamania's been disrespected. Who cares, mate? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Todd Grisham, the only man other than Todd Pettengale who could do a bull riding contest. But here's Grisham, and Jesus Christ, that bull looks like it's been revved up to 11. This is the moment it ceases to be a shoot. That's what I'm saying now. Yeah, this made me so angry. Just, just the disrespect. Why, are you telling me that you think that Victoria should have went over as well? Because I, I was strongly in that camp. V- Victoria should have gone over. Clearly should have gone over. And the mechanical ball moved three times as fast for her than it did for, for Michelle McCool. She also manages to, in her nine seconds on the ball, do a big pratfall and go, whoa, yeah. and fall off. And then, you know, she's Victoria, she's a heel. So her whole thing is that, you know, she was the only woman on that roster at the time who was like, I'll look silly, I'll do it. Yeah, and she's like all slipping over and being like, whoa, I fell off. And look, shout out to Michelle McCool, who had an unenviable task of her own, Billy. Not only does she have to ride a much more tame bull, she also has to dual-wheeled gimmicks somehow getting across that she's a sexy teacher and a sexy cowgirl. If you've ever seen Daisy Duke holding a ruler, then you know what you'd expect from Michelle McCool here tonight. But she hangs on for 12 seconds. Oh, but bracket. 11 seconds, but they just give her another... They, give her, ex- they yeah. give her an extra second just because. And then Victoria, because Victoria comes out in a Native American war paint, that means and it- I, tr- I tried to find out about her, her background. and I, you know, I know that Mickey James has got some Native yeah. American uh, ancestry... I couldn't find anything for Victoria, no. although I did find out that her dad is Puerto Rican and her mom is a Korean-born Turkish woman who worked in Japan as a singer. So, wow! But it doesn't sound like there's going to be Native American in there, then. Probably um, not. But, but irregardless of whether she's Native American or not, what is not on is Jerry Lawler doing an Indian war cry. <laughs> yes, and then straight away complaining about, oh, it's political correctness gone mad. Because <laughs> J- JR just goes, Jerry. <laughs> I do one rain dance on commentary and they lock me up and throw me in jail. It's ridiculous. The things that I've not been put in jail for and they're insisting on jailing me for doing this. It's bullshit, Jim Rouse. <laughs> but I, I, couldn't get, I couldn't get over the fucking screwing over Victoria here. This is Montreal all over again. Bullshit is what it was, Billy. And you know what? 
this is the one segment tonight where JR, he does that bullshit he does where he's like, oh, look, big, big suspense, who's going to win? He fucking buries it like it's not important. And it's honestly the only thing in the last hour of the show that's gotten any reaction at all because they saw a lady fall off a ball and yeah. they popped. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like the, the one thing that kept making me laugh about this is the idea of doing a My Way package to the... <laughs> <laughs> to, of the entire tournament and then then this final i would really like to see someone do it my way at this all right look you know fairweather marks might be, like us might bemoan victoria losing this but the real the real pros in professional wrestling all right the real people who know what it's all about they know that victoria threw this contest in the name of sports and entertainment baby and she deserves an award for that main event time John Cena taking on an egg. It's big match WWE Championship. We got a little video package here, which mainly serves to remind us how we got rid of that pesky RVD run. Yeah. Oh, if only we could bury him somehow. <laughs> but like before we get to that, we have to have a little line where where we're told that John Cena is doing this for all the soldiers. Yeah, well, I mean, Edge, you know, when he invaded. You know, uh, when when Edge, you know, sorry, there's literally no way to make this make sense. I was like, would say when Edge invaded Iraq, but he didn't. John's on the side of the people who invaded Iraq, so Edge is on the side of the Canadians who weren't part of the coalition of the willing. Is that what we're taking from this here? I mean, did John? Did well, we all remember when John Cena pulled down that statue of Christian. He did. He pulled it down. He pulled it down, Billy, and he did it to stop better than Utopia taking over the Middle East, which is what they wanted to do. And, you know, John was there in his Jeep with Troy and all the guys were there and they they managed to stop that. But there's eight minutes left in this show and we have long entrances to get through here, in-ring introductions, and I just am flabbergasted that we're like a month away from when Rob Van Dam won the championship and he is not even a non-factor. Like, it's not like, forget about Rob. They're like, they don't want you to remember about Rob to forget about Rob. He is erased was he was he complete i can't remember did he get suspended or did he just get straight up fired no they suspended him but not before they gave him back to back like on monday night after the arrest for marijuana where him and sabu got pulled over hear all about him how to rvd episode by the way went in depth on it but literally pulled over on the saturday monday night lose the belt to edge tuesday night lose the ecw belt to big show wednesday you're gone like that was it he was done and he was suspended for like two months and he came back to a admittedly much worse ECW somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so Cena's over, a lot more over than I thought he would be. Pop of the big night. Crowds. Yeah, big pop from. Yeah, we do get some of the discontent and disquiet from uh, from some of the older people, but the kids are out in force time. I think maybe why a lot of this stuff is flat is that we have a lot of families in the audience who maybe don't care about a lot of the other shit. I saw a couple of people in ECW shirts cheering for John. I see oh. you. I see you, Marks. You're a proper fan. You should go topless and and write "We hate Cena" on your nipples. That's the only way we'll get it across. I, I did enjoy as well that like giving it that big fight feel of saying that the belt's not been defended on NBC for 14 years. That gives that was, it. That's cool. That yeah. gives it. That elevates it slightly. You know what you do in that instance, Billy, is you have Hulk Hogan come out as being like, I was the man who was champion during the NBC era, and you have him present the winner of this match with the belt, and then you do the angle with Randy or whatever it is, but Hogan didn't want to be known as an old-timer in spite of the fact that 
of, you know, 30-year-old footage is used of him in the intro for this. Hey, Billy, is this the Gastropod Conference? Because, uh, ain't nothing but a slugfest going on here. I think these men are just pushing the limits of how many punches you can do in a match. Yeah, that, we've not seen a lot of actual wrestling tonight. It's just been, no, a, it's been a bit... Pun- the most wrestling we've actually seen is high-flying from Sabu. Like, really? Yeah. We got like, a, we got the backcracker from Carlito, but the rest the, the rest of the night there's but just been a lot of punching, a lot of punches, you know. And most of the action in the six man tag was taking place within Mark Henry's anatomy, yeah. so we didn't really know what was going on there. But like these ads, have got amazing matches under their belt. I think the John Cena Edge TLC match where Cena gets the belt back that is honestly in Toronto one of my all time favorite matches. Didn't appreciate it at the time. I think it's an absolute classic. I think these two, like Edge, I think got more out of John Cena as a heel for Cena to get over with than mm. any other opponent he had during that original big run with the belt. But man, these ads are just throwing right hands, the odd kick here and there. JR screaming that it's Bedlam, it's pandemonium, it is to fuck, they're just punching. We get the five moves of doom, the FU, the leader then pulls the referee out of the ring, and then Edge is put straight back into the STF, and then Lita pulls out the referee again for a second time, and we get a DQ. So, yeah, this I, was not a great encounter. I actually loved this finish because the match itself was boring, but Edge tapping out as as soon as... Yeah, the, the timing was amazing. The timing was great. And then John's face, as, as Lillian says, and winner by disqualification. And you just see John just... Eyes go wide, dropping to his knees. I genuinely, I was like, that is that is some great acting from John. Oh, John's always like that's the it's the Hogan spot. It's like the mm. yes, we all did it, and then the what they're taking it away from us. It was it was classic, you know, NBC WWE yeah. old timey good guy bad guy stuff. I did like that. I thought the timing was was really good. And I would also say as well. As somebody who's a bit of a pedant as it relates to rules in wrestling sometimes, I think you do need to have these matches where, you know, someone interferes and the referee's like, no, fuck you, you interfered, DQ. You know, it has to happen yeah. so that when there's the moments where the referee maybe gives a little bit of leeway or the referee doesn't see the thing in question, that you have more scope for flexibility. So I get why they were doing this. What I, man. What I didn't expect was what comes next. What, the complete and utter destruction of Egg. Yeah. Like, he that's, scrambled a man. That's not something that we see from John. We haven't seen from John in years of him in frustration and anger, letting, letting his emotions get, you know, too much for him. I mean, that's... he would, of course, you know, be very frustrated because, as Jr. said, Leah has gotten herself disqualified, and Jr. you know, he called it like he saw it. Leah has been disqualified from this matchup. <laughs> but like this, this is how you inevitably do a John Cena heel turn. He goes too far because he... he's too strong and crazed up. Yeah. yeah, and like, and obviously, like, I, I don't think now at this point we will ever see that. I don't oh think... no 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 no! That's that's no yeah that's John's no longer the active performer yeah. where something like that could happen. You could get a one-off heel Cena for a match down the line to fit the bill or whatever, but you'll never get what could have been. And this is obviously you know me and everyone who was watching at the time were hoping you know the fifty percent of us were hoping that John Cena would just like get injured and go away forever. Mm-hmm. The other fifty percent of us were hoping that he would turn heel and somehow make it all good. But honestly, the thing you should have done if you wanted John Cena to be turned into a heel is you all should have cheered him because then he would have done the opposite of what yeah. you wanted. 
like, not only does John Cena, like, destroy Edge or whatever and have him cleanly beaten this match, the post-match beatdown begins with Edge trying to spear John and be like, no, doesn't work. F you off the stairs through the announce yeah. table. Whoa! Absolutely launched him. Do you think that Edge might have a chance taking on John Cena in a rematch, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see John Cena get his hands on Edge at the end of this one. Oh my fucking god! Well, if John Cena and Edge aren't going to try, why will anyone else on this card try? A very understandable episode of Saturday Night's Main Event at the end of this one, I guess. Yeah, this was this was disappointing, considering how much fun we had with the last one. Yeah, there there is kind of like a uh, there's kind of a, a circular element to this here. Saturday Night's Main Event is a concept only. Only is a thing if you, WWE, the people presenting us this concept and being custodians of this concept, tell us that it is. So when you give it to us and it's presented, even just a bare minimum little bit of different promos or, we, you know, the introductions in ring and stuff like that, just slightly different, whatever. That will go a long way because I think even if we had just done the the classic promos, we had done different ring ropes and match to make it look authentically like that old show, this probably would have been a breeze. But if you just give us something, you say, this Saturday night's main event, you might as well have called it the thing before the great American yeah. bash for all it was worth. It, yeah, it didn't, didn't feel like it was leading to anything. Well, I, I don't know if we felt like it didn't feel like it was leading to anything big because we know that everything gets cancelled at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, it's leading to something big, but not like you might think it is. Like, like, the like, the you only know. thing that we're hinted at here that actually goes on ahead is Ray versus Booker. Yeah, the only big thing that we actually get at that pay-per-view are the big amounts of elevated liver yeah. enzymes that half the card gets. So I'm going to ask you, Billy, in closing for your match of the night and MVP. Um, <laughs> Sabu. Yeah. And Sabu versus Stevie Richards, uh, okay. without question. <laughs> and I will I will echo you for Sabu versus Stevie Richards for my match of the night. I'm going to give my MVP to Victoria, who, you know, she fell on her sword here. She could have won that thing. Easy goddamn peasy. I'm convinced she's the rightful diva bull riding champion 2006. <laughs> Michelle McCool, if you've got the fucking stones, show up at the next Saturday Night's Main event and defend your crown. We're, we're, we need a Dark Side of the Ring episode about the screw job in, in Texas. Yes, exactly. We need to know what happened in Dallas and on, on a new controversy for wrestling to wet its beak with. So, you know what, Billy? I'm going to say. Once again, when it comes to the next episode, it's going to be another vote. We can go forwards in time or we can go backwards in time. That's the option. That's well, there. Well, That's all I'm going to say. Well, I think then in that case, we should run through. I've got them here. We should run through the cards. Okay. Well, so shows. the card... The card for what you would be proposing, which is taking place in sometime 2007, I'm taking, uh, I'm assuming. May 2007, uh, okay. out of Toronto. So we've got a nice hot Canadian crowd. Oh, baby. We'll be having John Cena versus the great Carleen. Fuck me, man. Baby. We'll be having Mark Henry versus Bobby Lashley in an arm wrestling contest. Billy Keeble! We'll be having Batista and Chris Benoit versus Edge and MVP. Wow. We'll have Finley and Hornswoggle versus the Boogeyman and Little Boogeyman. <laughs> and then our main event is what created this entire series in the first place. So this is the main event Kane as well. 
Doink the Clown and Eugene versus Kevin Thorne, Viscera and Umaga. Now, okay, well, all I'll say is if that wins, we're going to have to get a, a jid chapter about that to understand what the fuck led to that match. And then if we were saying that the we're going to go back to the very first Saturday night's main event, we'd be looking at Mike Rotunda, Barry Windham versus Ricky Steamboat and Nikolai Volkov, the Iron Sheik come on. and George Steele. Guys, come on. Look what I'm giving you here. I'm giving it to you, baby. Uh, Hogan versus Bob Orton with Piper and uh, T in corners. Now, you know, not, you know, all sorts. You know, first match, but I'm giving you all sorts of this. They'll be on, they'll be on the show. We're going to have, I think, is that the famous match between Moolah and Wendy Richter? Oh, my fucking God. I, it may well be. It may. Oh, no, but no, that wasn't because it was it wasn't Spider Moolah. Lady. It was Spider Lady. Yeah, it was Spider yeah. Lady. And then we've, we've got Junkyard Dog versus, I, I, I hope it's not him, Pete Doherty. <laughs> from the Libertines. Pete Doherty's finished a large breakfast and he's coming for you, JYD, <laughs> this Saturday night so, on NBC. <laughs> so there, there, there are two lineups for this for this. Billy, Billy, I'm, I'm looking at the tiles I've pulled for this game of Scrabble. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of I's and U's here. A lot of a lot of a lot of, uh, lot of F's and L's. Not a lot of uh, wiggle room, is what I'm saying. I think I'm going to win it again. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts. You can, of course, vote on the upcoming episode for myself and Billy on this Saturday night's main event side series over on our Twitter at a podcast or facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast where, hey, you can check out in the media tab on Twitter or in our video section on Facebook. There are hundreds of videos available which have been made by our main man, Adam Biblo, looking at classic moments from the podcast as well as some sneak previews of our Patreon content where, once again, you can support us if you want to get access to over 175 hours of amazing original content you can't hear anyone else on the internet from your favorite attitude era podcasting fellows patreon.com forward slash ae podcast sign up now for as little as five dollars a month to get instant access to the whole damn back catalog and if you're a fine purveyor of stuff and things head on over to matthewsbotchamania.com come on now stuff things Put a little doink on it. <laughs> Billy, you're not allowed to start campaigning already. That's not fair. It's not fair. Until next time where we're going to be doing the next one that Billy picks. It's a goodbye <laughs> for me, Kevin. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. Jared, do you remember the night on Raw that... Oh.